podcast contains explicit content that is not suited for all listeners. Listener discretion advised. Hello, and welcome to Bloodshed and Brews. My name is Charlotte. <laughs> My name's Tara. And welcome to our first ever installment of Halloween Brunch with Charlotte and Tara. We're so excited. Where we and tell you Halloween. everything. Yeah, happy Halloween. <coughs> happy Halloween. It's the best time of the year. The best time of the yes. year. I got I'm a lot so of energy. Excited, so. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm pumped. Yeah, Charlotte, you want to tell them what, uh, what the plan is for today? Yeah, so we're just going to sit and we are going to just tell you everything you need to know about Halloween. Just all the past uh, stories, legends, history, and we're going to get bottomless mimosa drunk. Bow, bow, bow. So pop those <laughs> but bottles. But not just regular mimosas. These are oh, yes. apple cider Special mimosas. Halloween fall mimosas. So yeah. we we grabbed our our favorite <laughs> apple ciders and some super high quality champagne. <laughs> well, yeah. So I moved to a place that has really limited grocery stores, <laughs> and there's only one that's on my way home from work. So I just stopped there and was like, "How how bad could it be?" And I got the weirdest off-brand apple cider I have never seen anywhere else before. Charlotte's going to post a picture so you can yes, look I at will. it. Yes, I will. I will. And then barefoot bubbly champagne that's like the kind of champagne they have at trashy weddings. <laughs> so I am really excited. I have to make it to a hair appointment after this, though. So um, wish me luck. Yeah. We're so excited. Our first ever Bottomless Mimosas fall edition. So okay. we're going to pop these, and my pulse is so high, uh, but you deserve the pop. So we're going to give you our best effort. Ooh, was it the same time? I think it was the I same time. I think yours might have just been like a second after me. Is it good? No. Oh, mine's good. So I got my stuff at Trader Joe's, and I was just expecting to grab like cooks or something but the cheapest champagne they had there was twelve dollars and i was like what the hey so. guess how much i spent on my champagne Ter- four dollars four dollars tara just had to exchange her corn harvest for her champagne dollars <laughs> so great. this was a six dollar investment for bot- bottomless mimosas. oh my god i think that mine was <laughs> yeah mine had to be fifteen dollars i think but yeah, Trader we, Joe's will well, get we each just took um, a sip straight from the champagne bottle to try it in its pure form. <laughs> Mine is all right. It's pretty sweet. It's a California champagne. It says Brute Cuvée. Cuvée. I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, it says... Oh, I don't know what that means. Never mind. <laughs> it says Barefoot Brute Cuvée California Go Champagne barefoot. sparkles with hints of crisp apple, complemented by a clean finish. Enjoy alone or with a sharp cheese and buttery popcorn. Yum! And it says that this, it gives me a scale on the bottle what the heck? from like dry champagnes to sweet champagnes. And supposedly this one is like one of the driest champagnes, so I appreciate that. That's crazy. That's I do not like mine. Does not have all of that on it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it was and it was like (laughs) times three more. Um, So mine is actually prosecco. It's uh, from prosecco. Yeah, it's good. Villa Antica, and then all the back is basically in Italian, except for it says superior in the front. So, feeling a little bit pretentious drinking this. It's actually really good on its own. I love bubbles. Me too. So, we're starting our okay, bottom assembling journey now. Mimosa. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, should I read my uh, Sugar Bee Cider label? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. On a sunny day... One industrious bee collected pollen from an unknown apple tree blossom and landed on a honeycrisp tree. Mother Nature did her part and sugar bee apple was born. The sugar bee apple is perfectly crisp, 
sweet and juicy. So enjoy a glass of sugar bee apple juice exclusively from Chelan Fresh in Washington State. Wait, that's so high quality. So I guess this actually isn't it's nice. Be bad. Yeah, it's not generic at all. That sounds great. You can tell. You can tell how yep. high quality it is because of By the, the junk at the, the bottom. Jug. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. That's actually going to be really good if it's from Chelan, where the apples are plenty. Where the apples are plenty, <laughs> you weenie. That should be their slogan. <laughs> Chelan, where the apples. are Oh, plenty. this is really good. I bet it's so high quality. I said the basic Trader Joe's apple cider. Everyone's had it before. It's good. Love it. It's good. Just the spiced, spiced cider. The spiced cider. You know where you love her. Probably gonna right. molar tonight. So <laughs> love it. <laughs> we'll, we'll be nice and toasty. All right, let's do some learning. All right. So I have some information about the history of Halloween. Bit of a timeline, if you will. And I learned a lot, so I'm really excited to share that. And if you're like me, you probably thought that the Halloween we celebrate here in the U.S. came from the Day of the Dead that they celebrate in Spanish cultures. Um, um, which uh, geographically would make sense because of, you know, we're on the same continent as Mexico. Um, but actually... That's not what they teach the you in Halloween, Halloween Town. <laughs> <laughs> the Halloween that we celebrate in the U.S. and a lot of um, the traditions we have come from... Oh, sorry. I'm already burping from the champagne. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Every time you hear burps, <laughs> take a drink. <laughs> they come from an ancient Celtic pagan religious festival called Samhain. What's All that Hallows Eve, then, that they talk we'll about? We'll get to it. Oh, we'll get there? We'll get okay. to it. Okay, we'll so it's pagan we'll first. There. Okay. Yeah, specifically Celtic pagans, so, like, Ireland. That makes sense. Yep. With, with my research. And certainly, like, there's a lot of dumbing down of mm-hmm. the holiday that we're familiar with now. So I don't want to say that none of it came from the Day of the Dead because they kind of all draw from each other. Yeah. But a lot of the traditions we have, like trick-or-treating, wearing costumes, and um, what are they called? Haunted houses and that kind of thing exactly. specifically come from the Celtic version of All Hallows' Eve. So we'll we'll get to that. So, the uh, Celtic pagan religious festival called Samhain is celebrated from October 31st to November 1st, and it's to celebrate the end of summer and welcome in the harvest and the dark half of the year. And they believe during this time that the barriers between the physical world and the spiritual world were breaking down. Which would allow for more interaction between the like humans and dead humans on the other side. Okay. And other things on the other side. Oh, gosh. I can feel my heartburn coming on. I already pretty much finished my first mimosa. If you haven't finished your first mimosa, you have to chug it now. Okay. Tara has so much love. (laughs) It's bottomless mimosas. The waiter's coming by. You gotta chug it. The waiter's coming by. You gotta get the refill now. (laughs) Oh, you're good. We're about at the same. (laughs) You can chug the rest next next bullet point. Okay. So during this time, they thought that fairies were a threat. And I don't know... Oh, no, I want to do a whole episode just on fairies. It's horrifying. But I don't have a lot of information on them in this episode. But just know that they were a real threat back then, and the Celtic pagans were terrified of fairies. Me too, man. So they would dress as animals and monsters so that when the fairies were able to cross over during Samhain, that they wouldn't take them because they're, like, these scary animals and monsters, not innocent humans. Great tactic. And 
Exactly. And by the 10th century, Christianity made its way to Celtic lands and somewhat changed these traditions. Um, So they established November 2nd as All Souls Day, where they honored the dead because they wanted to replace Samhain Mm. with a more, like, Christian, wholesome, church-sanctioned thing. Yeah, kind of like a... (laughs) <laughs> rip roaring wild uh, <laughs> pagan holiday so <laughs> i so i grew up in the church and we weren't allowed to celebrate halloween like in the church you weren't really allowed to celebrate halloween or dress up scary but they just called it like fall festival and fall like fest, trunk yeah. or treat like you weren't allowed to like trick or treat and you weren't allowed to celebrate halloween because like demons and stuff so, yeah it's like a modernized so- version yeah, so that's what uh, that's what the Christians thought who came to Ireland and England and saw the current practices they had. They're like, this just is not aligning with our goals and our, um, you know, morals. So we're going to change this. And they tried their best to turn it into, like, a more Christian church-based holiday. And they still celebrated All Saints Day on November 1st, which was established by the Catholic Church and um, the Samhain Festival as well. But eventually, all three holidays kind of just merged into one sort of like three-day celebration, which eventually was called Halloween. Before it was called Halloween, it was called All Hallows' Eve. Yeah. So that's where it comes from in Halloween Town. And the That's Sanderson what they call sisters. Eve. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I respect on the name. <laughs> the Catholic Church still recognizes All Saints and All Souls Day, while some Wiccans and Celtic Reconstructionists still commemorate Samhain. But for the most part, what we know here is Halloween, which is just a really dumbed down version of three separate like holidays yeah. that sort of just over time merged into one thing. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the timeline of Halloween and how it became what we know today. So, the, but before we do so, we're finishing these. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, it's going to be hard. Oh, my God. Oh, it hurts. Mimosas are not meant to be chugged. Stop, you animal. (laughs) (laughs) I've been training my whole life for this. (laughs) Ugh, yum. These are good. I'm not going to be able to drink apple cider for a really long time. I'm going to give myself a, a top off. All right. I'm trying to do 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 trying to remember the Halloween song. Do 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 do. No, I can't get it. The Halloween Town song. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, this is Halloween. No, that's this not even before. No? That's not even before Christmas. <laughs> you know oh, the one okay. that they they play like throughout the whole entire Halloween Town. It's like do 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 do. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It'll come to me. <laughs> the more the more mimosas I drink, the more I'll channel channel my inner Marnie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So first, we're gonna start in the Middle Ages, where trick or treating emerges in England and Ireland during All Saints Day and All Souls Day. Poor people would visit the homes of rich families, and the rich families would give them these pastries called soul cakes, and in return. Yeah. The people who were given the souls cakes would promise to pray for the rich family's dead loved ones. Okay. And this tradition was called souling. And the practice was later taken on by children who would just go from door to door asking for shit. And that was like an early form of trick-or-treating. Which... Evolves more over time, but before we get there, we're going to talk a little bit about jack-o'-lanterns. Oh, I've got a lot to say about (laughs) jack-o'-lanterns. 
All right, so if you walk down your street right now, any common neighborhood in the U.S., you're going to see dozens of pumpkins with glowing faces. And I bet you thought, like, where did this come from? What's going on? But, I mean, like, when I say the word Halloween, it's probably one of the first images that comes to your mind. Same. Same. So did you know, just like what Tara was saying, the... Pumpkin carving and decorating practice, the jack-o'-lanterns, they originated in Ireland. But they originally used large turnips and potatoes in order to carve faces into them. And I've got a couple to show you, Tara. I'm going to post them on the internet, but I was dying Oh, I thought I you were about to pull out a potato <laughs> that and carve. I was going to lose my shit if you did that. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> Charlotte That'd understood so the assignment. <laughs> Oh my god. That looks like that looks like the shrunken heads from so, Scooby-Doo Monsters Unleashed. Oh good. I think I had another one somewhere. Oh my god, Tara, this one's horrifying. Brace yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna post those two on, on the oh, no. uh, on my on our Instagram. It's literally like the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh my god. So, um, so because it started, uh, pumpkins actually do not, are not, like, natural growth and fruit in Ireland. So that's what they used instead, which, you know, potatoes and stuff is very common in Ireland. So let's figure out where they got the name Jack-O-Lantern. So it actually comes from an Irish folktale about a man named Stingy Jack. So I'm going to tell you the legend of Stingy Jack. So, people have been making jack-o'-lanterns for centuries, and this originated from this iron Irish myth. So, according to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have drinks with him. Oh, Which is fun. Always a blast. <laughs> I know, I was going to say, invite me next mm-hmm. time, Jack. <laughs> now, Stingy Jack, his name being a giveaway for this, did not want to pay for his own drink. No one likes a cheap bastard, Yeah, come on, Jack. Show a little skin next time. And so he told the devil that the devil needs to turn himself into a coin so that Jack could use that coin to buy their drinks. And once the devil actually turned himself into a coin, um, Jack decided he wanted to keep the money, so he put it into his pocket. And he also had a silver cross in his pocket, which prevents the devil from changing back to his form. So if you know anything, we're going to talk about he scary movies later. He played the devil. That's kind he of He played thing. the devil. Which is not smart, honestly. <laughs> now, Jack eventually decided to free the devil, but under the condition that he would not bother Jack for a whole year, and that should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. So the next year, when the devil came back, Jack tricked him again, but this time he tricked him into climbing in a tree to pick up a piece of fruit. While the devil was in the tree, Jack carved the sign of a cross into the tree's bark so the devil could not come down. The devil, that Jack made the devil promise to not bother him for ten more years. Damn. And the same thing, like, with his soul, like, if he died during those years, he can't claim his soul. Now, Jack, that drunken bastard, he died pretty soon after. And the legend goes on to say that God would not allow Jack into heaven because he's a trickster um, mm-hmm. and isn't, you know, holy and worthy there. Obviously, the devil, you know, wasn't allowed to take his soul, but he was upset with the trick that Jack had played on him. By not keeping his word, but he kept his word to not claim his soul. So he wasn't allowed into hell. He was sent off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved out turnip and had been roaming the earth ever since. So the Irish began to refer to, refer to this ghostly figure as the Jack of Lantern or the Jack-o'-Lantern. So people began to make their own. It's amazing. People began to make their own in Ireland and Scotland. Um, They would carve their own scary faces into turnips and and potatoes, and they placed them in their windows and near their doors in order to frighten away Stingy Jack or other wandering evil spirits. 
In England, actually, they used large beets, which is, I'm sure, <laughs> very beautiful. I'll try to find one. <laughs> this is Teresa Shatera are horrifying, so I can't imagine the beets. Um, and then soon, when immigrants came and discovered the U.S. or found the U.S., um, they found the pumpkin, which is a fruit that is native to America. So they started to make their perfect. As so we know pumpkins them, a fruit, pumpkin seeds, yeah. Pum- pumpkins uh, are fruits. They're uh, gourds. So they're are fruit. all gourds fruits? I would say yes. So like a spaghetti squash is a fruit. Spaghetti squash have seeds. Yeah. Then yeah. I think that the defining factor oh of a God. fruit is seeds, but that's very controversial and said, please don't cancel us. My mind is blown. Because <laughs> I remember, oh, like, no. in middle I... school, it was like, tomatoes are fruits because they have seeds. Like, they are. Yeah. And I think an and avocado is technically and, a fruit, too. Yeah, technically, as a, as a pit and, like, a, pit, a peach. Yeah. I'm pretty sure oh, that's God. the defining factor. Fruit. Yeah. Which is wild. Oh, my God. Okay. My whole life is just changing right now, but that's fine. <laughs> pumpkins are fruits so i uh another thing i wanted to talk which tara talked about a little bit is another folklore which probably falls into the fairies and such was which is willow the wisp so this is a folklore willow the wisp um is a ghost light which is seen by travelers at night so this is like especially in areas that are swampy um or bogs um it is known in english folklore which a, a, a bunch of different names, and one of those are jack-o'-lanterns. And so Will-o'-the-Wisp is just referred to like a hope or a goal that leads you to your future. And so that's another one which appears in lots of folk tales. Mainly those are like English folk tales opposed to like Irish folk tales. Um, and so people say that jack-o'-lanterns kind of came from that as well. It's really like attributed to more to like ghosts and fairies and that elements of spirits and so people see them as like their loved ones taking form and lighting their ways how sweet and then another one this is uh kind of going to like american culture is the legend of sleepy hollow um because that really kind of like took the whole jack-o'-lantern head and made it their thing um Mm -hmm. It's, it's a huge staple for Halloween lore, I think. And so the Headless Horseman encountered by Ichabod Crane in the story is a ghost whose head is carried by the main character during the, the American Revolution. And so at, the, at one part in the story, a pumpkin is like smashed and it's next door. Ichabod Crane is found. Um... And then eventually it was, like, adapted to be, like, a jack-o'-lantern. So, like, that's a very big staple that we see. We saw it several times we were drinking pumpkin beers Yeah, I was going to say that so. was the logo on a lot of our, the beers that we drank was the Headless Horseman with the jack-o'-lantern mm-hmm. as a head. Yeah, so that story, I mean, you probably have all heard about Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman um, really kind of, like, honed in on that jack-o'-lantern culture. And I want to just end on, like, one more little fun fact that I thought was kind of cute about jack-o'-lanterns. Um, this is, like, the most the most jack-o'-lanterns lit in one place. So, uh, Keene, New Hampshire. <laughs> Keene, New Hampshire is, like, super pretentious and proud for holding, or was, for holding the world record for the most jack-o'-lanterns carved at one place. But Life is Good, the company, the clothing company, they teamed up with this um, nonprofit organization called Camp Sunshine, which is a camp for children with life-threatening illnesses, which, aw. But they were, like, had a mission to break the record for most carved and lit pumpkins in one place. So on October 21st, 2006, they lit 3,128 jack-o'-lanterns. Oh, Jesus. In Boston. Isn't that crazy? That's Um, a lot. It's a lot. And then I think right now the official one, it was broken um, in Highwood, Illinois, in October 31st, obviously, um... 2011, the official count is 30,919, but... Holy shit. Apparently, there's, like, a Guinness regulation 
that they did not make. So they're actually not even known for having the world record at that time. So they actually didn't officially beat it. I don't know if they like all of them weren't carved correctly or lit correctly or whatever. Um, But like I mentioned at the beginning, Keene, New Hampshire was like, fuck this. We're the right people. So in 2013, they let 30,581. So they broke the record um, and they've broken it eight times since. So that's pretty serious about their jack-o'-lanterns there in New Hampshire. I need to go. Yeah, I also need to go. I just thought that was cool. I I think world records are cool. I agree a thousand percent. Thank you for that, Charlotte. I learned a lot about jack-o'-lanterns. Pretty sick. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) try. I'm going to try to finish this off a little bit. (laughs) Neither can I. (laughs) I'm like... Three, my my glasses are pretty large. This isn't like we're not drinking from like mimosa glasses they give you no. at restaurants. We're drinking from like full on pint, like pint glasses. glasses. <laughs> so like three, that's like a lot. And it's a Charlotte pour, not like a guy that's trying to make sure I don't throw up on the floor of his establishment pour. You know, <laughs> does that happen too often? Well, I think I give off those vibes. Like when I do bottomless mimosas. Um, I did them with Fred. We we're doing like carafes, and the guy told us to like wait. He was like, um, I'm gonna wait until I give you another one. Cause I think he's afraid that I would throw up on his floor. I love that. <laughs> Charlotte, you had to I... pace me. There's no one here to pace me. I I don't want to say this and have it be a dangerous statement. But you are the most talented puker I have ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge Hands fan. Down. Huge fan of puke and rally. <laughs> I've got Hands a big day ahead down. of myself. The best puker I've ever met. I have a big day ahead of myself. At the end, I'll tell you this yeah. cool thing I'm gonna do. I'm throwing like not a real party. I'm having some friends over in costumes, but I have this cool um, Halloween trick or treat thing I'm gonna do for my guests that I'll tell you at the end. Oh, I'm so excited. And I'll save some for Tara when she comes next week. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll have to recreate it next weekend because I can't make it this weekend. Yeah, you're good. But I'm so excited. Okay. I've refilled my... This has to be at least an eight-ounce mimosa. I stole this from a brewery, so... I love that It's a full pour. I've been (laughs) staring at it. It's a good one. Wander. Shout out to Wander in Bellingham if you're listening to this. I love your cup. Next time I come, I'll pay you for it. <laughs> no, you won't. Probably not. Maybe I'll buy another. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to get back into our timeline here. Yeah. And we're at the 19th century now when Halloween comes to America. Or I, I should say comes to the U.S. So Halloween wasn't really celebrated in the U.S. until the 19th century because until then – the population was largely Protestant, like the Salem Witch Trials uh, yeah, assholes. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, we weren't really down with Halloween. Except for Tichaba. With, with that crowd. She's been celebrating Halloween for years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were certain colonies that already were Catholic, like Maryland and a couple places in the South that celebrated the Halloween. But for the most part, nah. Like, it was unheard of because they were all pagan. And Probably against, New Orleans, which I think. Uh, not pagan, sorry. Protestant. And were against Halloween. But what I think is super interesting that maybe no one else will if they're not <laughs> history <fucking> nerds <laughs> like <laughs> like I am. But <laughs> but Halloween was not celebrated in the U.S. until the Irish potato famine, which caused a wave of Irish immigrants to come to the U.S. And then Halloween boomed. Yeah, they and were like, something- carve your turnips. Put them in your yeah. windows, and and Americans Did are like. Did you say what? windows? Windows. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not. 
I gave Irish people like a southern <laughs> accent. <laughs> you don't want to hear my Irish accent, so everyone's southern if you just believe. Um, so as we know, and as I really know, um, the Irish can kind of be a rowdy bunch. Oh yeah. And one Halloween tradition they brought with them that really stuck was pranking. So, in the late 1800s, common Halloween tricks brought to you by the Irish included putting farmers' wagons and livestock on the roof of their barns. Amazing. <laughs> and this one's not so amazing. Uh, they destroyed gardens. Oh, rip. They tipped over outhouses, which may or may not have been occupied. Gross. <laughs> and by the early 20th century, vandalism and violence were not uncommon on Halloween because the pranking just evolved in a in a bad way. Yeah. So as metropolitan areas expanded, the pranking got more violent because a lot of this was happening in really rural or, like, unsettled cities. And so it was pretty innocent, just neighbors pranking neighbors. And it got a little, you know, rowdy when they started putting livestock on roofs <laughs> and whatnot. But for the most part, it was it was innocent. And even the worst of the worst pranks were still not that bad. But as the metropolitan cities were getting bigger and more established, kids would start just running wild in the cities on Halloween. And they would set fires. They would vandalize, break glass, harm pedestrians, and just be huge nuisances. And one year, a group of kids in Kansas City, and I I don't know what state Kansas City is Missouri. Because it's not in Kansas. Okay, Missouri. Missouri. There were a group of kids that <laughs> waxed. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's so funny. You were just straight up honest. I don't know what state it's on Kansas. It's on the line. Sorry, that's so funny to me. <laughs> they waxed the uh, streetcar rails. Oh. On a really steep hill. No, honey. So when the streetcars went up the hill... They would slide. Let's think right about the consequences backward. of our actions. And one streetcar smacked <gasps> into another streetcar, and a lot of people were injured. It's like a really bad, bad game of bumper cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And homeowners were eventually encouraged to meet these pranksters with arms. Mm. There was one article I was reading from uh, history.com. That said, it, like, gave this quote about, from some, like, congressperson encouraging people to, like, be loaded on Halloween night to ward off like pranksters and whatnot. But um, <laughs> one thing I thought was really funny was he was like, load your muskets, load your cannons, and shower them as they enter. And I thought it was so funny <laughs> that people are, like, loading up cannons to get ready like for little... <laughs> Little kids Same. coming to prank them. I need on to Halloween. be more prepared for teens. My <laughs> encounters with teens. I need to load my cannons. <laughs> I need to so Yeah, <laughs> they're the scariest monsters so of all. Scary. Honestly, I do, I love teens though. I do. I think they're great. I'm working on it. But they are they are uh, something else for sure. So during the 1930s, state officials and religious authorities took a different approach. That Charlotte and I uh, would probably agree with a little bit more than bearing arms against kids is they encouraged families and um, other community organizations to host Halloween parties and carnivals yeah. and pageants and events and trunk or to occupy the kids rather than to shoot kids for pranking you. So they're like, hey, this isn't working. We can't just shoot kids. So how about we just get creative yeah, and host events that will keep them occupied so they don't get into trouble? Yeah. And this is when <laughs> haunted houses were born. I was going to say, do you when know what those teens need? To bob a couple apples. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Darryl bobbing for apples. Bobbing for apples. <laughs> I love it. 
I'm so bad at it because I have a tiny mouth, but I love trying. I am excellent at trying. I can hold my breath for a long time. That's so there's that. so funny. Like that's that's one way you can get your energy out real fast. Bob, Bob Rapples. <laughs> All right, so this is when haunted houses were born. (laughs) During the Great Depression, which also, this part is super interesting to me, because I love learning about the Great Depression. Yeah, it's wild. And I've never researched the (laughs) intersection of Great Depression and Halloween. There is a relation there. Mm -hmm. Um, So what happened is during this time, they had decided, you know, we need to get more creative to keep our kids busy so they don't fuck shit up on halloween but we don't have any money because we're in the great depression so what do we do broke broke so this really forced different neighborhoods to work together and get creative and try and figure out ways to occupy youth on halloween because Mm. i mean let's face it if they didn't and they allowed youth to kind of fall back into vandalism and violence and whatnot. Nobody had the fucking money to pay for damage. So they really had to get creative. And what they did was all the different houses in the neighborhoods would work together. They'd pool their resources and they would set up different themed houses that the kids would kind of like tour through in a parade sort of setting. And so one house might have a certain theme, like a ghost theme. So everyone in the neighborhood would be like, oh, I have this that might fit the theme. And I have this that might fit the theme. And they'd all pool their resources into that one house. And then maybe the next house was like a fairy theme. And so they would all work together and find things that they already have that might fit that theme in order to create like a whole parade of homes that the kids could just walk through one by one that's really cute and so that's kind of where two ideas that we know now came to be one being haunted houses and one being going door to door Mm -hmm. for like trick-or-treating so the great depression really had a big impact on halloween being what we know today it's wild um, and speaking of trick-or-treating, can't really, <laughs> we can't really brush by the fact of, of candy being poisoned. And the reason I'm laughing- I don't know what you're gonna say. The reason I'm laughing is all the memes that come out about, like, parents, check your kid's candy, and they'll, it'll be, like, a half-broken piece of candy with, like, a dog in the middle- or like a gun in the middle or something. Oh my god. You know? <laughs> Am I the only one that sees those memes? Do you know what I'm talking happened. about, Charlotte? Okay. But that happened for a reason. Um, and I guess we're at the point now as as a nation where we can joke about it with memes like that. But it wasn't for no reason because on October 31st, 1974, a man in Texas named Ronald O'Brien gave five children, including his own son, pixie sticks laced with cyanide oh my god and just luckily four of the five children did not eat the pixie sticks but one did and one died and that was his own son timothy (gasps) how effed so After that happened, people were really on edge about trick-or-treating and the idea of their kids going around door-to-door, taking things from their neighbors they might not know so well, or complete strangers, because I I used to trick-or-treat in neighborhoods that I had. We didn't know anybody. Yeah, we went to the rich neighborhoods, because I lived in the ghetto. The ghetto. So we had to, like, drive 30 minutes to trick-or-treat. Yeah. But we got full-size candy bars up here at, like, other house, so. <laughs> yep. Yeah. My my grandmother is so cute because she lives in a neighborhood that's very hilly. Mm-hmm. And she's on a dead end, so she gets, like, no trick-or-treaters. Yeah. And for a while, she was getting a lot because... Her neighborhood is the neighborhood where they give out full-size candy bars. Yeah. 
But now she doesn't even bother anymore because she'll get like one kid a year that comes to her door. She gives that kid $20 bills that oh comes my to God. her door now. Because She's like, you put in the effort, honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I will be posting my grandmother's address after this if you want to go <laughs> trick-or-treating there. I bought I bought trick-or-treating candy. I live in an apartment complex, so we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, well, I kind of remember, like, when I was super little, my family lived in a, like, condo complex, and I Mm kind of, like, vaguely remember trick-or-treating in the apartment complex, but I don't know that people really do that as much anymore. We're not as nice as we used to be. No. And the candy poisoning is one reason why. We have trick-or-treat. Yeah, so (laughs) events like that really caused us to tame down Halloween and have it be more uh, what it is today where, you know, kids trick-or-treat and there's yeah Halloween parties for older people. Yeah. And if you're Charlotte, um, a three-person Halloween party. Oh, yeah. I'm only doing three people. Uh, I got <laughs> I roasted it. today about it, but it's fine. Yeah, no, it's funny because <laughs> um, the one thing I want to say, because I, I, my home wasn't very conservative, but, like, I went to church and stuff, and so, like, I heard a lot of these rumors and things, and something that's very popular is trunk or treat, so just getting your community yeah. together, and then, then you go, like, car bed to car bed. Like, you go car to car, and yeah. you trick or treat to the cars, and it's also cute because you get to, like, dress up your car and stuff. But it's a way that, like, families can make sure their kids get the same trick-or-treating experience, but, like, also make it safe. Um, yep. Yeah. It's also crazy because I am in this Facebook community group, which I'm sure you are, most of you are, too, with your neighborhoods. Um, and it's really, like, me and just a whole bunch of, like, families. And they posted this map of one of the neighborhoods in Seattle, Ballard. Of all the, like, houses and stuff that are going to be, like, above and beyond and really awesome to trick-or-treat at mm-hmm. this year. So it's cool that we have all these resources now. Um, yeah. I love Seattle during Halloween. Yeah. I love it so much. I wish I was there. Right, you could be a four-person Halloween party. <laughs> I know, I know. I'll be there next weekend, though. I'll be there next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even call it a party if it's only three people. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> Can you guys please bob for apples and send me videos? <laughs> yeah, I think I have all the equipment. I just, okay. I keep that stuff on lock. <laughs> uh, I'll make prizes and so people will really want to win the, do the games to win the prizes, but the only game is bobbing for apples. you know who's probably really good at bobbing for apples taylor rachel (laughs) rachel this is gonna come out the day after my party and she's not gonna come oh no no we'll see i'm gonna bully her after this maybe i'll have four people at my party after all Tell her that we mentioned her. Um, oh, tell she, her that we mentioned her in the podcast, and she'll go. She's probably she's listening like the right only now. Person that listens. She's the only person that listens to us. All right. Anyway, we have a lot. We have a lot more. This is supposed to be a quick episode. Yeah, I'm so sorry. We're just I'm rambling. So <laughs> okay, Charlotte's gonna finish us off hmm. with a more um, another timeline. If, if you still want to, we don't have to. <laughs> what me? I'm excited. I just forgot. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Charlotte's going to finish us off with um, a more modern aspect of Halloween that doesn't really even have to do with Halloween. It's its own thing entirely. But she's going to tell us a little bit about horror movies. Which I love. Um, It's a very common association that people have when they think of Halloween. They think of horror movies. And so I am a huge horror movie fan. Um, I love them. I love scary movies. I love things that make me, like uneasy and so we're gonna add this portion to it because why not because we're a true crime freaking podcast so you all like creepy stuff too and i'm gonna refill look at that yeah you need a you need a splash you need a splash there i need a splash of apple cider for all that freaking prosecco i just put in there okay 
All right, so I'm going to start off with a quote that I actually really like about the genre of horror. This is by Dr. Arnold T. Bloomberg. He is like a famous horror buff um, journalist, and he just writes a lot of really good shit on horror movies. So his quote is, Horror is a genre that dares the audience to confront their darkest fears and their most sacred taboos. Dramatizing the invasion of innocence, mentally, physically, and spiritually, by the essence of evil sets up a struggle that forces audience to confront the very core of their religious beliefs. Whenever we are going through a time of great cultural strife, our entertainment tends to provide us with a reflection of that crisis while also giving us means to process and purge that particular fear. It's also a classic rendition of the battle between good and evil, with our very souls as the prize. There's even a bit of fatalism there as well, as even in the victory we can face defeat of sorts. After all, it's a long fall down those stairs. And through it all, perhaps in some way, our culture is still on a crusade to seek answers to the deeper mysteries, to search for the comfort and even salvation where we are accustomed to finding it, not at church or not at home in the darkness of a movie theater. It's good. I'm way too drunk for that. (laughs) (laughs) This quote was too deep for Tara. (laughs) You said I have a quote for you. I was expecting like a three-word live, laugh, love. I get a fucking bear live, laugh, love. Arnold T. Bloomberg. I love it though. I love it. I wasn't looking at you on purpose. So we're not gonna kind of walk through horror movies throughout the decades. So I'm gonna walk you through kind of each decade and what you know came up that year and blah 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 blah. blah. So the first. Horror movies that released was a silent movie. It premiered 112 years ago, probably over that now. It is a, yeah, over that now, um, 113 years ago. 1908 film. Ooh. Uh, I had two. Uh, it was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It is no longer available oh. for viewing today, which is like sad because I like looked it up, but it's not not available. Um, there are no known copies of it. Uh, a couple other ones that were released during that time. There was one called The Werewolf, also no copies. Um, but you can find Frankenstein, which was released at that same time. Fucking love Frankenstein. Solid. Um, young Frankenstein, not horror, also solid. So during the <laughs> 1920s, uh, the continued theme of silent horror films were made. And then when the 30s began, this is when the word horror actually started being used to describe this genre. So there was like an outcry to release more movies in this genre. A movie titled Freaks in 1932 um, was cut extensively due to high disturbing content. It was actually banned in Great Britain for 36 years. So the original uncut version that was banned from Great Britain is not available, but you can find like the final one, which isn't like as horrible. Um, you can find that around probably on YouTube. And then our man, the myth, the legend, Alfred Hitchcock. He love he Live, started laugh, releasing love. Live Laugh Love. Alfred Hitchcock. He released horror <laughs> produced horror films starting in the forties, um, and then all the way to the seventies. So, I mean, you can we can name his films probably all day, but his most uh, memorable ones, I would say, is The Birds, which was released in 1963. I fucking love The Birds. And, of course, Psycho, which was released in 1960. So, Psycho is such, like, a uh, prominent movie in horror. It really set up the horror films for the way that they're going to be continued. It kind of invented what modern horror is going to be. He is uh, the master of his signature overhead shot. So he kind of brought in his camera overhead to be like menace and isolation. And this is something that we see a lot um, of his influence throughout films, especially in the next upcoming years, the 50s and the 60s. Yes, Tara? 
<laughs> you're looking at me like you're just like too drunk. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing because one of my favorite movies when I was a kid is called Frogs. Oh yeah. And it's supposed to be a horror movie, but this was like my all-time favorite movie. That and Adam's Family Values. Love and it. I would just watch these two movies on repeat year round, year after year, from like age six <laughs> to age twelve. And Frogs is so funny. It's so similar to Alfred H- Alfred Hitchcock's Birds mm-hmm. because it's literally just like frogs take over this city. And I'm just laughing because the concept of frogs versus birds <laughs> is just killing me. Birds are so much scarier. With They're frogs, so scarier. it's hilarious. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about later about like parodies that came out of horror movies. So we will get there. Frogs, I think, is... Is that movie like 80s, 70s? Late 70s? Um, I think 70s. 70s. George McCowan. Ah. I wonder if Hitchcock was, like, an influence on McCown. Probably. Oh, for sure. He's an influence for on sure. a lot. On everyone, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm going to try it. to not giggle anymore. <laughs> so no, please know. continue. Please continue. <laughs> if not, it's just me, like, geeking out over movies. So the 50s and the 60s is when people actually became, like, obsessed with horror movies. They like, could not get enough. That's when, like, a very famous Night of the Living Dead, which I think is one of the best... I remember being at a Halloween party when I was, like, seven years old and it being on the upstairs bedroom, master bedroom TV. This movie was playing. Like, I think they just had it on the TV. Maybe I went up there to go to the bathroom. But I remember sitting down on the floor and watching the whole entire movie and I was, like, seven years old. So Night of the Living Dead, that was released in 68. Um, it cost over a hundred K dollars. It grossed 30 million. It was just like such a high grossing horror movie. And that same year is also where Rosemary's baby was released. Also an extremely high grossing classic classic movie. And then we get into the seventies where I would say top three best of all time scary movies. The Exorcist was released. I love the Exorcist. Right. It makes me laugh now, but, like, it's so good. And it went on to win. It was the first horror movie ever to win Best Picture and Academy Award, which, I mean. That's impressive. Yeah. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. So the 70s, um, after that movie, the later in the 70s, that's when all of our famous, very uh, Halloween-specific slasher movies were released. So... You all know the story. There is an antagonist that kills teenagers one by one. The whole entire town, you know, they're like, they like have sex and then they die. Or they're like at a party and they're drinking and then they die. (laughs) Or they're like, I'll be back. I'm just going to go check out that sound I heard outside. And then they die. The slasher movies, that's when they started. Um, You know them. The famous one. The man, the myth, the legend. (laughs) Halloween. Our man. Um, Like... Michael Myers, Halloween, that was released in 1978. Soon after, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, all of those classic Halloween movies were released all about the same time because they all kind of did the same thing, the slasher, and people were really into that. Um, Halloween, you all know with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. I haven't seen the new one. I, I will eventually. But... Michael Myers murders his sister and then, like, is, like, in this uh, jail. Or where is he? He's, like, admitted somewhere. I don't know if it was jail or if it was, like, like an insane asylum or something. And then he escapes and then he, like, kills everyone that has sex, pretty much. He, like, literally, well, like, people, like, that's, like, kind of the thing with horror movies. It's, like, if you want to, and this is where I'm going to get to later with, like, the 90s when they created, um you know, parodies, it's like, if you do these things, you're going to die in a horror movie. So, anyway, Halloween was released then, and that was just kind of a staple, um, because it has, you know, clearly the title in it, but also, 
It has that slasher theme, which is really big in the 70s. There is a Netflix documentary that came out this year, The Movies That Made Us, and they talk about specific Halloween movies, and specifically Halloween, the movie. And I watched it, and it was really, really good. So if you're into this kind of stuff, I definitely suggest watching that. But yeah. So, um... Halloween really inspired a lot of other slasher film franchises such as Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th. So all of those kind of happened around the same time. And then we came into the late 70s and the 80s when people were like, hey, this guy writes really, really spooky shit. Let's make it movies. Who's that guy? That's Stephen King. So all of his love, writings, live, we love, 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 Stephen love, King. Stephen King. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> I'm love gonna, it. I'm gonna make the last photo that we post on the Instagram to say live, love, love, um, Stephen King. So his books really opened up to the horror film world. I would say the top two, well, we could say three would be Carrie, which is released in 76, The Shining, which I think is like the best horror movie of all time, released in the 80s, and then of course It. Um, that's, it does, that's our, that's our movie. That's the best movie. And so all of those were released then where they took the horror film, the horror books and they created them into films. And that was a really big hit in the eighties. And then the nineties came around, slasher films kind of fell out of popularity. And then people decided to make slasher parodies. So the biggest one of this <laughs> is Scream, which was released in 96. They kind of poke fun at the slasher film formula, which I hinted at earlier, where these, like, young adults are, you know, having sex, and then they immediately die. They're, like, out drinking or doing drugs, they immediately die. They say, I'll just be right back, and they immediately die, right? Like, they, these are kind of the the um, rules of horror that you don't do, right? If you feel like you're in a weird situation and you might die, don't do these things, right? And so that was the 90s. Which I think are great. Um, you know, like, at the Evil Dead multiples, you know, like, two, three, four. All of those go into that as well. Um, and then we get into 2000s where people decide to bring back zombie films, which is awesome. We have Resident Evil, 28 Days Later, Dawn of the Dead, Land of the Dead. I mean, we could even go into Zombieland, right? Like, World War II. I love Zombieland. Solid movies. Where people were kind of combining that, like, fear factor with that funniness, right? And the zombies Mm -hmm. are ridiculous. Um, And then recently, with all the recent movies that have been coming out, they're kind of mixed, like I was saying with that as well. With that, you know, bringing back those remakes recently. Like, there was a Carrie remake. There's obviously the It remake. There's a Nightmare of Elm Street remake. Nightmare of Elm Street. Pet Cemetery. Yep. That has been really big, is, like, taking those movies that obviously have really good core concepts and then, like, giving them all the things that, you know, the 2000s have to offer, which is, like, high-quality film. Um, Those have been really in. And also, freaking psycho thrillers are in. Like, don't even get me started on films like Get Out and, you know, Oh, my God. God. Right? Psycho thrillers are I horror movies. I fucking love Get Out. Yeah. Love it. It's just like. In Us. Yeah. So good. And what's that, te- what's that, se- oh, 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 um, uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. Mm, I so love good. that. So good. And then it also gives films like, um, The Conjuring and Annabelle, all of those that are, like, based on real things, but then are, like, adapted. We obviously love those in the 2000s because all of you here are true crime people, right? And so it's just super cool to me with horror movies is that, like, it has its roots in these silent films and people have always been interested in things that kind of make them feel uneasy or make them think afterwards. And so mm-hmm. I think that's just super cool. And this tying it back into Halloween, it's just that element of scare and fear, right? Like those costumes. I remember like people, that's us where they wear the red jumpsuits. I remember being yeah. out. Yeah. If I see someone in one of those red jumpsuits when I'm like out on a bar crawl, I'm going the other way. Like that scares the shit out of me. I can't. Yeah. I like can't do that. I can't talk to you. And the scissors. So it's just like so cool. And the gloves. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. And yeah. it's just like it's just so awesome the way that people's minds work. 
But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the timeline of horror movies and tying it back into Halloween is just, um, Halloween has always kind of been a scare factor for people. So being able to feed off of those things and like a lot of these movies, right? The crimes occur like on Halloween. I mean, even if you want to talk about like Hocus Pocus, which I've referenced, right? Like the witches are trying to eat the kids on Halloween night. So yeah. That's yeah, just yeah. kind of, like, I think that people have seen going back to those folklore, all that stuff that, like, it's scary and people are putting these things in their door in order to, you know, wear off spirits. And then people are taking those ideas and putting them into films. So, yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Charlotte understood talk these about it all day. <laughs> I, can, I can talk about horror movies all day. I love them. I told Charlotte, I organized this episode, and I was like, <laughs> you are talking about jack-o'-lanterns and horror movies. And Charlotte fucking, fucking understood, understood the assignment. She really did. It's all I have to offer. <laughs> jack-o'-lanterns <laughs> and horror movies. I love it. I Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like movies a lot in general, but I really like movies mm-hmm. that, like, push boundaries so like i i don't know like horror movies like midsummer and freaking um midsummer fucked me up uh that's heredity so have you seen heredity i'd rather die than I watch have, that movie again but i hated it here's the thing i'm not scared of things unless there's something that could really happen you know oh i hate that movie so much so that's why Midsummer scares me and us, or not us, sorry, Get Out scares me a lot because those are things that, like, can actually happen, you know? Ugh, I can't. But the things that are sort of, like, they're still really scary, it's still horror, but it's, like, it's not ever something that's going to impact me. It's never something that could possibly happen to me. It's not as scary. Uh I think I'm a little bit too much of a realist. Yeah. You could get possessed. Charlotte just aggressively Uh, burped at me. (laughs) Have you seen the the new Conjuring? Um, Yeah. I want to cover that case so bad. We'll have to cover the case. I like those movies a lot. But again, they just don't scare me as much. They should. They're real. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, have Charlotte you seen this? right now, Mrs. Torrance. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shining. Oh, my God. I'm you right now, Mrs. Torrance. <laughs> Bottomless mimosas were a mistake. <laughs> I I don't know if you could see my bottle, but I have, like, maybe half a glass left of champagne that I could yeah. pour. Like, yeah, yeah, yours is so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I was also picking at the label the entire time you were talking. <laughs> it's in rough shape. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to do more like drunk brunch talks where we just deep dive into mm-hmm. weird history. What we'll to make I love this a new series? I love it. We'll we'll do. I was we'll, just thinking. We'll tell you. We'll tell you. Just things thinking that. about things we could do to spice it up, but that's a great idea. Drunk brunch with Charlotte and Tara. I can barely even say my own name right now. <laughs> Charlotte and Tara. This is the point where if we were at an actual establishment, the guy would cut me off. No, thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Do you know, I've never been cut off before. Oh, I can't say that for myself. (laughs) There are certainly times where I should One of your talents is that you actually handle your drunk pretty well. Like, you get drunk quick, but you just get kind of, like, quiet when, like, a person comes around and you seem okay. Like, I, like, want to rock, paper, scissors them. Like, I want to, like, thumb <laughs> you more thumb them. wrestle I, like, no. I, like, am not. Okay, like, so I'm very clearly Charlotte's, drunk. Charlotte's blackout tell is she starts thumb wrestling everyone. My blackout tell is I start sobbing about dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really it. Which is totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. All right. Oh, well, wait, we're about okay. to what hit I'm our doing, recording What I'm max. doing for my – oh, yeah, we're about to hit it. Oh, so yeah. What I'm doing well, you have for my party favors is that I'm taking mini shots. I'm putting a tissue paper over them, and I'm tying them so they look like ghosts. <gasps> and ghosts. I'm putting them into a big bowl. And in order to enter, you have to get your You have booze. to take a shot. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So you have to take a shot. That's cute. I love it. Yeah. 
So I'll have lots. I'm going to go to Total Wine after this. Actually, someone's going to pick me up and drive me to Total Wine because I know. I think I'm going to need to call someone to come pick me up for my hair appointment. (laughs) Just call her, but can you do it from here? Can you do it from here? (laughs) Can you you come to me? (laughs) You come to me. I have champagne. I have have one more mimosa for you. (laughs) House call. All right, y'all. Happy Halloween. Oh, if, I love it. Uh, all okay. of the stuff that we've referenced is going to be on our social media website. So you can follow us on our Instagram, which is Bloodshed and Bruise. Or on our Facebook, which is also Bloodshed and Bruise. And if you have more ideas for uh, things you want us to cover for our drunk brunch episodes, uh, email us at Bloodshed and Bruise uh. at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Cheers. Ha 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 ha